0: Don't rely on luck and pray. The patients won't say anything, but when you genuinely wanna do a good treatment and wanna help them and provide
1: the right care for them, they can sense it. CPD Junkie Dental Podcast is about connecting with passionate Australian dentists who are improving themselves and have attended various CPD courses. My aim is to find out for you the best CPD courses around and what they did, it helps get them to where they are today. So, you can consider doing it and becoming the best dentist you can be up. You're learning about cosmetics. You're learning about the photography to reassess your work. Um, I guess this kind of all kind of comes back to where you were when you were assisting and you were learning from, you know, trying to reach um, that perfection level. You know, how... Um, are you going about learning cosmetic when well, you're you've got the author you've got the implants all happening at the same time um to be
0: honest um with my mannequin mm. maxim belograd he's like uh i've never met him i've talked to him on instagram a couple of times i've told uh, i've told him that i'll come visit you soon i wanted to go because but then the ukraine thing started the war thing yes. so i couldn't Maxim Belograd has so many amazing videos. He shared cases as well uh, on optical illusion, on his concepts of preps. And every time, and even I do it now, and some people think that this guy's, you know, his free time or I don't know. Yeah, I don't have free time, but I feel like it's important. The mannequin I have, every time if I'm doing a veneer case on Monday, the same preps or the same composite I'm gonna do on Sunday, I'm gonna spend three hours, I'm gonna do it in the mannequin. So same thing as I said, you look at the photos and you can see your mistakes, that you can plan your cases, same thing, you sit down and take the burr and prep the teeth. I feel like the best way to learn, and we, we say this case is no prep, and this case is prep, and this case, if we do literally, really minimal, this case we have to do a crown or this this case we do a four quarter crown, the only way to learn is you do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Because majority of the time you might not notice if you actually say, okay, let's forget about what everyone say, let me just do it by myself. You might create that one technique that is missing with all the other clinicians as well. Because now it's your way of developing something. Like, we all know how to do crown preps. There's so many videos available. Like, if someone says that all ceramic crown is done differently in Canada or in Pakistan or in Australia, it doesn't make sense, right? It's the same way done everywhere in the world. But, if you actually do it, you might say that if I do this way, I never get an undercut. Mm-hmm. So, now that's your technique that you have developed. Or someone must have developed it already hundred years ago, but you didn't share it. You know what I mean, right? I know. So the me. same thing I do is if you have a mannequin at home and we because with the ADC we do, a lot of people sell it. I, I didn't sell it because I feel like it's important. So if I have a big die case and missing or small teeth, I would say not missing on Monday. Why not I replicate the same scenario on Sunday night? So when I'm there on Monday, I'm already comfortable that I've done it twice last night. So then I'm doing it in the patient, and I'm like really comfortable. Same way I did my first uh, eight veneers cases after doing three times on uh, on the mannequin, the last nine, and then the first case I did. And my principal dentist came and he has assessed it for me, and he said I couldn't find a single mistake. Same thing I did when I did a prosto course, I think with, uh, I think they was a prosthodontist, I can't remember his name, and he was going to everyone's desk, and then he came to my bench, and he kept looking at my crown pair for two minutes, and he's like, no feedback because I can't find any. But it's something that you practice on a in so many times, like even if you see clinicians these days, like top clinicians, is sitting down on their weekend They're working on the tooth, draw, drawing a diagram. Like when we do composites, you first sketch it couple of times, then you wax it, then you do it in the mouth. You get so predictable results. But if you only do it in the mouth, you may get, may not get it. So the same way I was doing it as well. So implant and um, auto is happening, for veneers, I have in Belgrade. I have Dr. Steven Cuthbert, I have so many amazing uh, YouTube videos there. And I was prepping teeth like crazy at home. Mm-hmm. So there's a movie happening and there's a music happening on Sunday and I'm like just prepping teeth, prepping teeth like crazy, crazy, crazy. And then I used to take photos of all five different preps I did. And again on the Sunday, it's all on the wall. I've, I've taped it on the, on the on the ball and now I'm looking at it just like this. And I was like, hmm now if I do this prep on this patient or in that client, is it gonna work or not? And you don't have to ask anyone. You will you will be able to tell yourself it's not gonna work. You have to do a crown of that patient.
1: Yeah. So I follow you you're saying so are you saying that if I ever rock up at your place uh, there's going to be a little workshop space where there's a lead yes. mannequin with uh, drills yes. and all that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I feel
0: like, I feel like it, why not? You know, I I, yeah. I can still say that, like uh, some of my students, they tell me that, you know, um, this ground trip And I was like, I can guarantee you that the one I will do tomorrow, it's going to be better than what I did yesterday. So the more I do it, and that's how clinical work is, right? Gordon Ramsay, uh, he, he, he he has this video in which, and again, going off topic, but he's carving a chicken blindfolded. And he was so comfortable doing it. First is the chicken, it's outside the mouth, right? It's not in the patient's mouth. But he was so comfortable doing it because he's doing it 40 years. And he said, I've done it a billion times and now I can. But with a sharp knife, you're not comfortable with a blindfold to cut anything, but he was able to do it, right? Yeah. So the same way, if you are, you want to perfect your skills doing a veneer, why not do it a thousand times on the mannequin first? And even if you feel you're great, do it a thousand more times and you'll notice you're even better than that now. Yeah. And that's how I think clinical skills are like that. The more you do, And I've learned this initially. I felt like um, I was doing an endo case. It was a very difficult curve canal case. I'm talking about 2013. And I I did six, I was finishing my six months rotation in the hospital. And my professor was like, you know, how's your endo going? And I was like, you know, I feel like I can do any case now. And he looked at me and he was like, okay, that's amazing, Matt. Because I've been working for the past 31 years still I cannot do every case. So if you can do everything in six months, that's good on you. And that hit me and I was like, that's so true. So initially we feel like we know a lot and with time you start realizing that you don't know anything (laughs) and you need to learn a lot to get there. And then with time you understand that you know. still even if you have 40 years or 50 years experience, there still will be 10 to 15% cases that's gonna go over your head, so that's okay. You can refer those cases. Yeah. It's hard to do everything. And I think the best thing what I learned about the ortho course or an implant course was, or any course that I've done now, after you get more knowledge, it's the power to say no. I cannot do this case. I know someone who will. Because initially the problem is we want to do everything. 100%. And my problem was as well and the most difficult thing for me with my CBD journey was to stay calm and say, take your time. And now I I, I say this, people say, okay, wait, where do you, you want to see, see yourself in the next five years? I was like, no, not five years, 20 years plan now. Five is too quick. So I think Initially, because again, I had to wait a lot as well. Wait five years, and every day I used to work at the dentist, and I was like, you know, I, I'm a dentist. I wish I could take the handpiece and I could do a crown right? But I couldn't. And that, I think, that five years waiting and trying and you know trying again that I and I, I don't know if I'm going to pass or not that ignited my passion so much that now I just feel like I've got that gift. And I want to do the best way possible. And if I can't, then I would be able to justify myself. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like to do now. Is I want to make sure that you know, calm, take your time. Any case you feel that initially is difficult, you should know when to say no and say this is not for me. Like this, the sixty percent, fifty-six percent, class one cases, class one malocclusion, class one this, class one that. Why don't you stick with that initially? Why that one student who just started also wanna start class three the first day? Why why this so much headache? And I know clinicians who say that this patient's paying me forty thousand dollars. Let's yeah. not touch this case because that forty thousand dollars, brothers, you feel it's really exciting, but it's gonna come bite you. in There so many times they're gonna quit industry, all all like all and all that. So I feel like it's important to. Take calm. Take it as a journey. Say that you know one step at a time. Map out everything. Plan everything. What do you like? And because I I graduated and I worked before and then I worked as a DS, so my journey was already has started after 2012. So I'm already seeing assisting one person working as a practice manager. There were like three different clinics. So I'm in touch with 15 clinicians, so every clinician you see, so you're you're trying to explore which area you wanna work at. But if a fresh graduate comes in, I feel like the first two years, they should explore. No, mm-hmm. They should explore, because like myself being a maxillofacial surgeon that I want to become, and now I'm into cosmetics. you don't know, things change. So maybe yeah. you are they're really interested in the surgical work, and tomorrow you end up being an endodontist because we, we never explored that place, right? That, that's the thing, so the first two years, learn a bit of everything so you become more on the whole. No, I won't say holistic side, but I would say you treat the patient as a whole and understanding and planning everything and then slowly, slowly try to explore yourself and where you feel you're so passionate that you don't mind spending three hours on your Sunday prepping teeth for your Monday case that's the area that you are passionate about and you will never feel tired and regretful your entire life because now you've found something that makes you so happy and excited. So as soon as you find that in two, three years, the five years, sometimes people take 10 years to find that. degree varies from person to person and clinician to clinician. Maybe they never met a clinician who ignited their passion, you know what I mean? but. As soon as you find that one thing and you say that, okay, this is that one thing, it makes me happy. I don't mind spending four hours on my Sunday or I don't mind doing four reviews on patients because I want to get that line angle pinpoint perfect. Otherwise, the patient's gonna not say anything, but you sleep at night and you see that line angle. And it happens with me all the time. That I sleep at close virus and that line angle's not good. I have to call that patient tomorrow. Because the pictures are there, but then you know you just keep seeing it. Yeah. And I always tell everyone, I would have never noticed the line angle if I not take those fifty photos in that case. Mm-hmm. Because every angle, you will notice that every angle, even like three degree relation change, shows you a different line angle on the twist If you work with a ceramics. Mm-hmm. so we take a straight photo, we take a side photo. That's it. We take angle photos all around. And you start noticing the characteristics of the tools so much differently on a natural tool so much differently and you start to say that oh wow <laughs> you know I never what is this before mm-hmm. so I feel majority of the time if and especially for young dentists if you want to become right good dentists that you're really proud of yourself in the next 5-10 years stop compromising with little things because the problem is we compromise with the little thing, we finish up filling and we realize that there's a loose contact. But we say it doesn't look too bad. Wouldn't it be better Just, just drill it and just leave everything open. It's gonna take you another five minutes to seal the contact now. But we, if we compromise on that little thing, the patient comes back after three weeks, and say now who's getting stuck there? Now it happens after three weeks, you say, okay, I'll have to redo that. Now they come back after another two weeks when you have an appointment and you were running late that day. Your 50 minutes appointment turned into a 30 minutes appointment. Now the patient has come the second time that means your stress level is high that you have to get it perfect. Because if you don't get it perfect, the third time they're not going to come to your door. They're going to go to the dentist next door saying that you did a shit work. So I feel like if you don't compromise on those little things, that little things become big. And then that one crown becomes 20 crowns. And then you notice your cases start to become a bit more flushed. I I really like what Lincoln Harris says, um, and I've actually mentioned in two of my videos as well, don't rely on luck and pray. That's that's so important to understand that, you know, half of the time you're like, okay, that might happen. And then I'm gonna pray a bit. The patient's not gonna come back. They might not come back to you. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. But even if they don't come back to me, the problem is I'll be like that one case I missed, I feel like that small changes that would have corrected would have changed and shaped my journey to be able to not compromise with my quality of work. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I've seen is, and one clinician taught me this again back in 2015, and he said the patients won't say anything But when you genuinely want to do a good treatment and want to help them and provide the right care for them, they can sense it. Mm -hmm. And when they sense this, they will never leave you. Like for me, if I'm doing, if I need to get a root canal tomorrow, I'll be very honest. If there's a final year student in any university and he's really passionate about it, I would rather get it done from him. Mm -hmm. Because I know he's gonna assess four angles. Let's say that my obturation is not good, and you know my angles not good. But an other clinician might do it in ten minutes. Again, his experience and everything. But I'm just saying that patients don't care if your four years experience or two years experience. My patient knew that I'm gonna place the first implant on him, but he said that I I want this dentist. I don't care. I don't trust anyone else. Because it starts from a filling and a clean that here. you take that I'm going to put a bit of a numbing gel and I want to make sure we wait five minutes so you get a painless anesthetic and then put the needle in and they didn't feel anything and they they said that the other clinician was taking uh, time and they were doing a 30 minutes clean, He took fifteen minutes. I walked in the room, they didn't say okay we're going to clean today, recline that shit. First five minutes, you sit down with the patient, you talk to them. I don't care what, but it's not. The first five minutes, they can't be about dentistry. I talk to them about their cats, about their dogs, about what they're gonna do, what they're gonna eat, what they're gonna wear. Are they planning to go somewhere? If they're not planning to go somewhere, why not? They should go somewhere. (laughs) Explore somewhere. And after that first minutes, you break the chain of their stress barrier then when you recline the chair, they already trust you. And once they trust you, then they'll be like, okay, I don't care if Dr. Lawrence hasn't done this treatment before, but if he's capable of doing it, I trust him. I don't want anybody else to touch me. And this happens a lot these days. You notice as a 40 years clinician, we are referring to, and they'll be like, can't you do it? And you are like looking at yourself like, I don't know if I can. But they'd be like, if you can do it, I would trust you, mm-hmm. and that's that's what changes. Those small corrections that we do in line angles, and if the match color match is not good, you tell the patient that you know this is the photo because I kept looking at it all Sunday. I'm not happy with it. I know you are. What I don't want to compromise with our work, so I'm going to redo this. Yeah, and you redo it and I feel like you start being more happy because you feel like you've done justice to what you've done. And then those small things, as I said, that one tooth becomes two, becomes six, becomes a full mouth. And then when you do a full mouth rehab, because you have worked on that principle, that one mistake you do doesn't bother much to on one tooth, but if you're doing a full mouth rehab and if you've done one mistake on every single T, then that's the time you say that my, top 10 veneers are not seating in or the bite's not right. And that's where the disaster happens because, you know, we start
1: compromising on the little teens and now the whole picture is wrong. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to pivot a little bit here. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. as a clinician, we always reach a point where they start to contemplate practice ownership, being a specialist or being a super dental GP, or even starting to think about starting a family. Can you share your thoughts on that? Uh, see, I'll be honest. Um,
0: if I didn't work as a practice manager before, I was so keen on opening practices that you know, make sure you know, just settle down and get on practice. Because I worked as a dental practice as the, I was I was managing one, then I was at one point I was managing two or three, mm-hmm. and then they went back with one because I told them I I need time from ADC as well. Yeah, I realized that the amount of stress you have to bear just for that 15%, and I looked at myself, that for that extra 15, 20% profit, is it worth it or not? So you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? For me, I felt like, no, it's not worth it. I can work somewhere on a very good commission and do good quality cases and still be able to work really good, yeah. Now, the problem is people say, no, I feel like I can, that 20% is not for me. So yeah. you'll earn more and you pay more taxes as well. So at the end of the year, when it comes back to you, you would be like, okay, I'm still earning this much, you're earning is a slight bit more. Yes. But I did travel three times a year. I spend time with my family. I still try with my friends. Tomorrow, if I want to leave and I start wanting to join a new practice, I can if I want to go to overseas for a six-month trip because I'm on commission, or just for two weeks, it's my choice. Mm-hmm. And I think the way the the brain psychology works, if you are, if you feel like you're not, you know, tied up to something, you actually start enjoying work more. Anytime you feel like you're tied up, that, you know, you're pressured, maybe you work year, you do not take a day off, but yeah. you're not pressured on it that's what makes a lot of difference. So I I, I know clinicians, they love, uh, you know, they have their own practices, they love it. And I have an option to do that past three years. But I was like, I feel like maybe I teach as well. So it's different for me rather than someone because technically because I'm teaching, I have, a, I have an academy. So, you know, I have my, in a way, my, my small business that I run as well. and Then I do dental. So for me, I have that balance going on. Yeah. For me to own something, it might be too much. But then some people, they say, you know, ownership practice, especially with COVID times or before as well, sometimes your dental assistants sick, sometimes your dentist leaves, sometimes your managers you have to replace. So I feel like with time you notice that if you don't have a really good practice manager, even with them, you are and if you really like your dentistry, half of the time you can't focus on a dentistry or a clinical world because there's so much other factors and stresses coming. Mm-hmm. That you know now this is happening, the financial expense, and then this and that. So I personally looked at myself and I talked to myself that, is it worth it for that? Because I've, I've managed practices, that extra 15, 20%, is it mm-hmm. worth it or not? And I, I said, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for my health. Um, I want to travel the world. I want to explore more. Last eight, nine years already have been like a big journey. So now, while I can, I I want to. But maybe in the next five years, I might be thinking differently. And i been like, okay, oh, yeah, I'm doing it every- anyways. Everything, let's just buy a practice. So I think with time as well, it changes. But as I said, initially, as soon as you graduate, like I have, um, I have students who keep passing the ADC and, you know, they, they call me and there's this first thing they want to do is they want to learn implants, veneers, and they want to open a practice the next day. That's the first question I get, you know, how, how difficult it is to open a practice <laughs> and I'm like, let's talk in the next 12 months. So, you know, the point I was saying that it's very important to calm down and take your time and take it as a journey. Yeah. That's very important because what you're thinking now in the next two, three years, you might be thinking differently and that everyone's different. That's my way of thinking. It's not like like I'm
1: 100% right or anything. So, I mean, on that point, I mean, um, you know, just as rare how would you say as a practice manager when you start out the time, you know, how did you go about, you know, building a team of staff or associates and what qualities do you look for you know when you're hiring new employees or whatnot? See,
0: I felt like you need three qualities in the clinic. One is you need someone who has a lot of passion for what they do, mm-hmm. because if you have a positive environment or a really influential environment around you, that one person motivates ten other people around you as well. So mm-hmm. if I say I have two, three practices, and I want, I, I want to hire five cl- or six clinicians to each. Uh, as a dentist and I need support staff or other other clinicians in terms of oral health therapist or hygienist, maybe one each for a clinic, so three per clinic. And then I need a practice manager. Then I need an assistant. When you hire people, you want to ask them, you know, where do you want to see yourself in the next five years? But then how can you help our practice as well? Mm-hmm. So I need one person who are really passionate about their journey and their skills, one in each clinic. I need one fresh graduate in each clinic, so then they get influence from that person and mentor and trained, so their journey skyrockets as well. And I need one person who just wants to do dentistry because we want to run a business as well, you know. But because that one person is there, they're going to influence the whole other team. Then you get OACs and stuff, same way with same way with the dental assistant as well. Why do the dental assistants get more sick off so often? Because they hate their work. Nobody actually sit down with them and talk to them that, you know, why do you hate your work so much? What can we do differently that you stop hating it that much? And they will tell you that, you know, I keep working with one staff and I hate blood and they keep letting me assist extractions all the time. And then you'd be like, okay, let's give you something else. Some uh, know since they really like social media, they're good at it, but nobody allows them to do it. So why don't you do the social media aspect as well? And sooner if you work really well, because you know, we all need that recognition, but we all need some at one point saying that if you work hard, this is the reward you're gonna get. So your brain starts to get stimulated that if I do this, I'm gonna get this. Like if I'm doing all the perio and implant and this, and because my reward is I want to become a cosmetic dentist. My reward is already there. So their reward for every clinician or a, even a dental assistant to a reception should be there that, you know, if you first, this is this something you want to do or you hate it? If you hate it, then you rather not work at all because that negative energy of that one person is going to influence all the 10 people who are so positive. Now they start hating they work as well. But I feel like When you sit down and talk to them, they will tell you that, you know, this is something I don't like and you start to manage it around in a way where they feel like this is something I will do and this is something I get benefit from. And if you actually work so well on my social media or if you start assisting me for my cosmetic cases, would you be also willing to take photos while I'm doing my procedures? And if you actually do it well, then this is your reward waiting in six months. If I'm talking to my patients and you can, while explaining it to them, write my notes, but also explain the post-operative instruction to the patients as well, after I've trained you well, this is your reward waiting. And I think the the thing that dental assistants really enjoy, they never shy of doing extra work. Everyone likes working when they feel motivated, when they actually enjoy the process. I think the most difficult procedure even in dentistry or in life, is the one you hate doing. And the reason why we hate doing something, because nobody cleared our concept that basically there's a better way of doing it. Like everyone hates doing dentures and then you realize there's a better way of doing it. You're like, actually, it's not as bad as it was. Everyone hates TMJ and bite issues and as soon as you start understanding that this is just a basic way of understanding the bite and checking it first, you start saying that actually, you know, it's not as difficult. Like implants are not difficult. I feel like if someone knows how the basic surgical protocols are, because putting a screw is not, anybody can put a screw. The thing is where people mostly vary and they struggle is how to do the surgical procedures, opening the flaps, suturing it up, you know, do we do it direct or should we just do an immediate or should we do an immediate, how we do soft tissue contouring, but ideally that's basic. We should have learned flap designing and all those things a lot first rather than doing the implant first. And then now you want to do an implant but you don't know how to do a surgical extraction. so. Maybe our basics were not dealt in in the first place. Yeah, and that's why we were like, you know, if someone has done the basics correctly and then slowly, slowly make the way, way up, you will notice that, you know, when you start placing implants, if someone has a good surgical hand skills, they be like he's a better implant clinician because
1: they, they already have the basic surgical skills. Dr. Back, I want to come back to the clinical side of things just for a second, yeah, where you were a practice manager Obviously prior to that you're a clinician right before you' were, and you had dent, done some dental assisting as well right so were there some sort of things that you t- you had some training in or before you know to because you like you said if you hadn't had any experience before and you just kind of take on the practice managing there would be huge challenges you would have faced you know how did you kind of come overcome this as people who would be contemplating open up in your practice they have no experience. Or yeah, very little experience in it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Such a, uh, it's a very good
0: question actually. I personally feel um, the reason I can sense it, that my dental assistant is stressed or she is not up to par today because I have worked as a dental assistant. And I exactly know that, you know, when you're shaky and your body language is not good, that means you're not feeling good about something and it's completely ignored. If I would have never worked as a dental assistant, I would have never felt it. Like someone to say that, oh, my dental assistant is like that. Just work as a dental assistant for six months. You will find out how difficult it is, how mentally challenging it is. You've seen people that, you know, dental assistants are crying with it main dentist who they work with for so long leaves because now they're like a the new dentist gonna come in and my life's gonna be shit because if I don't get a connection with them. Same way, if you if I didn't work as a manager before, I would have not been a good clinician because now I don't know how to run the place, I don't know how to manage my staff, I don't know how to train my receptionist or my manager because how can I train them if I don't know it myself? It's the same way that if I start teaching implants but I've never done an implant. So when I worked with Dr. Morella, as I said she was really experienced she it's it was very difficult but she was an amazing clinician so she started from dental from dental assistant uh, and initially when when I say dental assistant that means I'm just taking the ends out and cleaning the instruments. That's what I did for six months. And I should just stand at the door and observe. So making my way up. So just cleaning instruments, maybe just doing the bins, just mopping the area, the, the floors and stuff. And sometimes, you know, the window cleaning and stuff. But I was still really excited that I'm working in Australian cleaning that I wanted to do. So my my motivation was on a whole new level when someone who is maybe not. So I did that, and then she was like, okay, now we're going to step you up. You're going to start doing assistance to maybe hygiene and basic clinic. So we did this, and then she said that, you know, our clinical coordinator at that time left after me working for 15 months, 14 months. So she was like, okay, now you're going to start doing this as well. A bit of advantage for me was because I'm a clinician. I can see things differently. So a lot of uh, assistants, because they don't, again, they don't know the final result they're looking for things and the dentist, because when Dr. Merla is doing something and I know she would need the matrix band next, I already have the matrix band prepared. But at the point where I know that she has teared the gums, now she can't put a matrix band, so she has to need the cord first, because I can see that I already have the cord ready. And that's what, you know, start slowly, slowly. So then I work as a dental assistant to a clinical coordinator, to the patient supervisor and then I became a, I was not official practice manager as a title, but then I was managing our whole practice. Last six months I did that. And when I had an interview with the uh, Sunshine Coast, up north actually, a practice, that's what I told them. I have worked pretty much everything. I was not like as a designated practice manager, you would say, but I've been trained with everything. So if you actually give me the opportunity and I'm up for a challenge I would say and if someone shows me I'll be fine I know I trust myself I know I work pretty much I worked in tough environments so this would be easy for me so that's how I feel like um, now when I see myself and that's why I'm so grateful that I get a chance to work make my way up So tomorrow, if a dental chair is not working, I know how to open it up. and You know, where is it going to be stopping and how to fix it? And I need, I can train my dental assistants because I have worked. I exactly know what difficulties they face, when they're not comfortable with the dentist, when they're, they're not feeling as motivated. What can I do to do it differently? When you have a receptionist and she's struggling with it, how can you help them? Because until you have not done it, So for someone, I feel like if they want to open a practice, it's a good idea to, you know, get involved with these. Even if you're working at a practice, spend time with your practice manager. Step, uh, you know, step up and spend time with your dental assistants. Spend time with your receptionist, you know. Just tell them, you know, share with me your day, how things are going, how they set up things, how to do your payments. I think... It's so important that, you know, the day my reception is sick, I know how to do everything. So I'll be like, I'm mentally not stressed. So I'm like, okay, I will do this. You can do that. You can clean the room. I can do the payments, so I can come back. So I feel like it really helps when you've done everything. And that's what sometimes is missing. And as I said, you know, it's really easy for me to blame the technician and say, because of you, <laughs> the porcelain and veneers are not good. But I would never look at myself saying that my mock-up was your shit. I didn't guide him, right? So the same thing is if you don't guide your team and then you feel like your finances are not coming and your progress is not happening because you did not guide them correctly. If you guide them correctly, any human being out there, even we talk about pets and stuff, you know, you take care of them. And you love them and you know you share the respect that they they will give hundred times back to you. So that's just just basic, you know, the human concepts we say. But coming back to your point, I feel like initially, yes, a lot of people uh wanna open the practice, do an implant the next day. The problem is, you know, you have done five years of dentistry, dental school, and you're excited to work, you know. It's and that's why I say that, you know. This is the time when a good mentor can make a lot of difference. Someone who can who can also see your potential. Because if I work with someone and they never see my potential, I'm I'm getting wasted because they will never understand what I feel. But if I work with someone, they'll tell me that Lawrence, I exactly know what your potential is. These are the things you're doing which are excellent. These are the five things that we want to improve. And this is your two weaknesses. If you work on this, you can be a better clinician in the next 10 years. And then you are guiding them through their journey. And then you are trained in a way that you are comfortable in five years that I can open five practice if I want to, because now I've learned it. So it's better to learn and then do, rather than doing and then, like there's a different learning part, they say that you know, like you can open a practice and you learn it anyway, but you're doing the hard way. Why not have a predictable approach that I know that this is predictably well to do bridge in this case, not an implant. It's better to do that way rather than saying, Okay, let's let's place an implant if it fails, we know in six months. Mm. Same way you're saying that, you know. I'm I'm gonna open a dental practice. I have no idea about it. I didn't know how to train a staff. I've never worked with a dental system before. I I do have no idea about clinical management. I have no idea about financing. I have no idea about how infection control things are protocoled and you know structured. But I would still like to open a practice. So they would be like, are you gonna spend all that money on you know this and that? But then certain time, what happens is one thing that there's four or five clinicians they combine together. And maybe they're four friends, and they say, Why are we doing it alone? Let's make a team. Because I, I know some uh, clinicians would, they, that's what they did. They they were like young dentists, and they just graduated, and there was one year, and the four dentists combined these things together. And they said that if Mac, you're alone, you might be stressed. So, well, how about we divide it? You know, you focus on the management, I will focus on the finances. She's going to focus on doing the staff management and the third person is going to make sure we focus on our future goals, and we'll combine the skills so we have some difficulty. We all manage together and they're running three successful practices right now. So sometimes, yes, they were young, but then they,
1: they divided it. Rather than one people stressing everything in, you know? So like the Avengers, yeah. the Avengers yeah. assembled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's you've mentioned struggles right but have there been any dark moments in your you know CPD or dental journey so far that some of our viewers might not have known about um
0: I think um I think with the ADC I think my darkest journeys I'll be very honest and that's why Tki got passionate about it because I, I relate it to myself um yeah it's it's very difficult when, you know 30 people sit and two are passing, and you'd be like, what happened to the other 28? They're also clinicians; they're really good, right? So, when you can't, that's what I'm saying, right? When I see the final report and I know, then someone's working hard for it. But just imagine you're saying that, I'm working and busting myself, but it might not never happen. Because I know clinicians, they've been doing for 11, 12 years, they still haven't passed. There are clinicians, but there's some who passed in two, three years. So, I think for me, I think the darkest moment was when I was doing ADC and uh, Masters was done uh, while doing Masters working and then ADC and then the Masters was done. And I was just literally sitting and saying that, okay, it's not happening. Mm. You know, okay, the first attempt is gone, the second is gone. Is it happening? Is it not happening? Should I keep pursuing should I quit dentistry and just focus on being a practice manager and just buy two practices. I can just run practice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That contemplating is just and it comes to a point where it's really stressful and you start being negative as well that you can take, you know, all the negative thoughts you know, that you know how to be motivated at that point. It's, it's very challenging and very difficult because
1: you uh, see your colleagues, yeah, right? You see your colleagues and their their life is moving forward and yes. you kind of feel like you feel like you're stuck, you're not moving. Yes. And I think what's
0: most difficult there is when you know you have the talent, you know you can do it, but you just cannot show sure, that something Wor- for it. Yeah. That's worse. Like a dental assistant, she maybe is upset or she's not working on other skills. But if she exactly knew how to place an implant and then she cannot, her stress level is going to be skyrocketed. And Elements said, you know, I cannot do it. So certain times I was like, "You know, I'm not going to work in a dental clinic because it's going to give me high anxiety again and again because I go there and I see all the procedures and I love that, but I cannot do it. And then that actually um, frustrates you and raises that, level where you start being depressed that, you know, should I just stop working in a dental clinic so I don't at least see it, you know? It's not like if someone's dropping in my face, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So those were the times that difficult, but I always believe that, you know, if you put in the work and you keep working on it, it's not today, tomorrow, but it does happen. And that's what I tell everyone that, you know, Anything you want to do, even from max facts to endodontist, any exam you want to pass, just work on your mapping, which is your planning. That this is where I want to see myself. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to achieve or where I want to reach the final goal. And you know, this is what it's going to take. And then you put your head down and keep doing the hard work. Yes, it. Some people get it sooner. Some people don't get it sooner. But one thing is for sure, someone who did not give up, they all have achieved it though. So I kept looking at it. and I think my motivation was again and again looking at there's a j uh, JBS Rosk has one of the dentists He does a lot of uh, NTI TSS things that you know jaw problems. he does all those um things and then you know looking at Rubenstein and you know all those things. and I was like, you know, okay, let's keep going. let's keep going and you pe- look at people's failures. That you know, and an and pian he worked fifteen years to get to the gold medal he tried. Fifteen years. And I was like, you know, I've already I've only spent five. <laughs> let's give let's give ten more <laughs> to the point. But but that's again comes to the point that when you find something that genuinely makes you happy, then you are fighting for it. But if, and I know that I, I hate dentistry, or don't like it, then there's no point of spending time. I know people who like management so much that they do dentistry, but they, they open clinics because they love it. It's their passion to just open a practice, run a business. Uh, you know, all those aspects which I might find stressful, other people might find stressful, but for them it's their, their leisure time. So again, you know, for them, maybe if there's the passion and there's the goal to have multiple practices and they really enjoy running practices, maybe for them, it's just best to quit dentistry and just keep on opening
1: practices whenever they feel like they can just do a couple of patients. When they're free. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait. That doctor the dentist caught in sick, Okay, I'll just rock up. Let me do right. it. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Look, Doctor Mac, there's so many more questions I wanna ask you, but you know, Well, I'll leave it for that for the time being, because that's all the time we have for. So I want to thank you again for coming on the show today. But if you could let the people know how they can find you. My pleasure. No, thanks for having me. See,
0: my social media handle is Dr. Murtaza Max. It's same for my Instagram to my YouTube. So if they search with my
1: social media handle, Dr. Murtaza Max, they should be able to even find me. If you liked this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.